Love you guys. I'm excited to speak to you tonight. So earlier, I'm just going to tell a story because I've got to fidget everything into place. We played this or that. And it was like concert or, what was the other one, fancy dinner? So I was telling you guys a story because we were, we were telling Hannah this story earlier. Many years ago, Matt and I went to see a band for Valentine's Day. The band is MXPX. You've probably never heard of them. That's fine. Um, but we saw they were having this concert in Atlanta, and we were like, we are going to go to Atlanta. We're going to see this band that we super like. And so we go to this concert venue, and it turns out on our day, our Valentine's Day, it was the Lonely Hearts Tour. And almost everyone in the place was single and screaming like down with love. But we still got to see like one of the best shows of, of my life, for real. They, they play a good show. It's like super entertaining. It was a lot of fun. But it was also like, you know, to, like don't snuggle on me because somebody might punch me in the face because everybody here is super single and angry about it. I don't know why they're angry about it. They're seeing an awesome band, but they were angry. Anyway, it made me think of that when we were playing that. I would still rather go to a concert. Yeah. I just think it's fun. Dinner's good too, but a concert. Um, but I'm glad that you guys chose to spend tonight. And Joy asked me earlier this week, are you going to talk about love? No, not directly. This is not a talk on sex and dating. And some of y'all are like, praise the Lord. <laughs> so y'all like, uh, if you want that, put in a request to Matt. He will do it on not a holiday about love. Cool. Um, but yeah, tonight I want to share with you guys something that's really been on my heart for a while, um, but haven't had a chance to share it here. And it's going to be about the Psalms and the God of steadfast love. And so this is really about a journey I took through the Psalms last year and um it's it's like one of those things that i like to read the bible in big chunks usually usually i'm a fast reader and so i'll go through the bible in a year i go through a book and and really read in big chunks but i really felt led by the lord to slow read so that means like like take my time sit with each psalm pray about it let it kind of marinate and the Lord really like taught me something through that experience, and so I just want to share some of those thoughts with you guys tonight. So I want to ask you, as you're sitting in your seats thinking, what initially comes to mind when you think of prayer? Because truthfully, when I think of prayer, sometimes I think of hushed, reverent tones and eloquent words, or other times I think of loud and passionate appeals to God spoken with power and authority. But when I hear the word prayer, a lot of times my mind attaches a picture to it. Tonight, we're going to look at one of my favorite books of the Bible, which is the Psalms. And it's the prayer book of the Bible. And I love it because it is filled with a vast variety of types of prayers. Some which fit the ideas of prayer I've described, and some which shatter those ideas altogether. Like completely different than anything just described. Now, you might know a whole lot about the Psalms, and you may not. You may be able to quote Psalm 23 because you heard it as a child. Or you may have heard some other verses from Psalms throughout your life. Even if you're new to following Christ or you're not a Christian, you may have heard some of these because they're so powerful that a lot of times they work themselves into our culture. And I think that's because in the Psalms we find the whole range of human emotion. Like, if you felt it, it, there's somewhere that a psalm probably talks about it. So, 
there's many of the Psalms that resonate with the feelings that we have, and I believe that's why so many people turn to this particular book of the Bible for comfort. As we look into it, we see our own feelings on the page, and we can relate. As we read the Psalms, we feel understood in a way that we don't often feel, and that's really powerful. And it can be super, super helpful for us. Super helpful to be able to turn to a place in the Word of God where we feel understood and we can resonate with the feelings on the page. The Psalms, again, referred to as the prayer book of the Bible. And in our Bible, there's 150 Psalms. They're penned by at least 12 authors. And they include Psalms of praise, thanksgiving, repentance, lament, Messianic prophecy and vengeance, or if you want the Bible school word, that's imprecatory psalms, to name a few of the categories. That's not all of them. I'm just not going to list them all and bore you, right? Um, they were used to guide prayer and worship for the Jewish people, and they've been used since the beginning of Christianity to guide Christian prayer. This is why you may have seen or sought out a list of psalms if you're going through a hard time, like a list of psalms for healing or strength, or wisdom, to help you find wisdom on how to pray during a difficult or confusing time. People throughout the ages have turned to the Psalms to learn how to pray through a variety of life circumstances. We can read the prayers of others, and through that example, learn to pray through whatever we're facing ourselves. And that's really, really powerful. So if you're here tonight and you're feeling weak, or angry, or sad, or thankful. There is a song for that. At least one. Maybe quite a few. And that could be useful. And if you're ever in a place where you're feeling so overwhelmed by a particular situation or feeling that you don't know how to pray, I encourage you to turn to the Psalms and search for one that will teach you to pray through your particular situation. And really, quite honestly, that was why I did this slow read study through the Psalms. Is I was in this place that it had been an emotional few years. Like honestly, right back before the whole pandemic, which we're super tired of talking about, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. The pandemic hit and she passed away. And like life has been hard since then. It's not really let up. It just continues to find new ways to be hard. Anybody there? Like it's like your life is just like, you, you turn around a corner and then life's like, but I got something else, right? Like, like I was in one of those situations and I was really struggling with Christian gatherings, to be honest, because a lot of times there's so much emphasis on praise and excitement and joy. And sometimes you don't feel like you can walk in and be like, I'm still really hurting. I'm still grieving. I'm depressed. Like, we can, and we should be that. Please, Kaiafa, let us be a community where if somebody is feeling down, it is okay to come and say, I'm feeling down, and let's encourage them and pray for them, right? But I was in a place where it didn't feel like I could feel those things, or if I did feel them, they were just kind of brushed over. And so I started to struggle with finding God in those spaces, and I started to struggle with prayer because I was like, well, you know, like I keep hearing messages about, well, like if you feel this, just just pray this prayer and you'll be filled with joy. And I'm like, I'm praying the prayer. I'm not feeling the joy right now. And, and I was struggling. And so I went to the Psalms and right from the start, I was confronted with emotions that we rarely address in Christian community. Like Psalm 2, 
right? Psalm 1 kind of gives us an example of like what, what we're, we're going after in the book. And then Psalm 2, right from the beginning, in verse 1 it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? Right? Not the celebratory thing that we expect when we're like coming to, to corporate prayer sometimes. Um, but if you ever hear what's happening in our world or you watch the news or something bad happens in your community, this verse is oh so relatable. So relatable. And then shortly after this verse, there's an encouragement. So it moves from the nations are plotting in vain, right? And, and there's rage and all this, and it moves to, but blessed are all who take refuge in him. In verse 12. So it feels these strong emotions, but then it moves to a different place. And then in Psalm 3, so we're still not very far into the, into the 150 Psalms, right? Psalm 3, it says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Now, if you've ever been hurt by others, maybe hurt by a friend or felt talked about, this Psalm resonates, right? But then it continues with this beautiful prayer of faith in the midst of many foes coming against him. King David says this. He says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. In the psalm, David isn't ignoring the fact that his enemies are against him. Instead, he brings the situation to the Lord, and he fully acknowledges what's going on. And then he moves from acknowledging that and being in distress to a place of strength as his prayer turns from the cry for help to a declaration of trust. Over and over again, we see this happens. The psalmists come to the Lord and share what they're feeling or what's happening with a lot of openness and honesty. If you read some of them, like, so much honesty. And sometimes if we've, if we've been, like, too much in church culture, we're like, can you say that to God? But it's in his word. So, like, apparently you, you can, right? Um, but over and over, they bring open and honest situations and feelings to the Lord. Sometimes it's gut-wrenchingly honest. And then after being fully honest before the Lord, they move to prayers of faith and trust. Obviously, you guys, this is, like, the most simplified model of prayer in the Psalms. I'm breaking it down, like super super simple and some of them don't fit this model at all like there's some psalms that are just praise and there's some that are just crying out to God saying how bad life is and we don't ever get that satisfying term <laughs> where it becomes like but you're good like some of them like dude's just wailing right but he brings it to the Lord but overall, more often than not, we see the psalmist cry out to God with honesty, then acknowledge who he is and how he can help. And there's kind of this model and this pattern that happens again and again. It's like, this is what's happening. This is what I know to be true about you, God. And then, and then moving to a place of, of trust, sometimes praying about the same situation. But we see the shift, right, in, in how they pray about it because they've brought God into it. And bringing God into our situation changes everything. And this is so important for us as we learn to pray. Because what better model is there to learn to pray than the prayer book that God has given us in his word? What might change if you took whatever situation you're facing tonight to God in this way? What might change? 
What if you laid it all out before him and then stated who you know him to be and how you're going to trust him in the middle of it? What might change if you were to do that? Honestly, my slow journey through the Psalms was really healing for me in this way. I was reminded that it's completely okay to pray from wherever I'm at, right? That I could come before God in complete honesty and let him, him, right? Let him move me from a place of despair or grief or just funk, right? Y'all ever just, it's just funk. You don't know what it is, but it's okay to come to God and be like, God, I'm in a funk, but you're good. So I need your help, right? But let him move us from whatever that is to a place of hope and trust. And we don't always see that model for us, honestly. And when we don't see it, it's so easy to let ourselves forget that God doesn't expect us to come to him all put together and packaged right and eloquent. That's not what he expects from us. He just wants us to come to him and be real with him. And if we do that, he can step in, right? It's about bringing the things to him and inviting him to step in. When he steps in, it's when it changes, right? You can say it with beautiful, eloquent words, and you can say it as like, God, man, I need help, right? It doesn't matter. He just wants our honest hearts to come before him so that we can invite him into the situation. Because really, when he's in the situation, that's when things start to change. And so much of this hinges on, as we've said a few times, understanding who God is. We can't invite him in and then move to trust if we don't understand something about his nature and who he is. The reason the psalmist could pray with such powerful prayers of trust and hope was because they knew who God was and their prayers were drawn from that solid foundation. As you read through the Psalms, you not only see a whole range of human emotions, you also begin to have a good picture of who God is as the psalmist describe him. In almost every psalm, God is described in some way, and if you start to put that together, you get a really informative picture of his attributes and who he is. So scripture tells us that God never changes, so he is who he is completely. If he were to change, he wouldn't be God, right? So like, in his perfection, he can't change, and if he changes, he's not God anymore. He's perfect and immutable, and what he is, he is fully. He doesn't exist in parts. So he's not like one part love, two parts mercy, three parts something else, and so on. He's all love, all mercy, all truth. This is important because if we know who God is, we can take that to the bank, y'all. We can stand on that. We can trust in him, and we can know we're not going to be let down. By his very nature, he can't change or cease to be who he is. Which brings me to the other real discovery I made in my journey through the Psalms. So I really like themes. I don't know about you guys. I like themes. I was a lit major. As any good lit major or book nerd, still a book nerd, knows, when we read, we're always on the lookout for major themes or recurring themes. When we read the Bible, it shouldn't be any different. It really shouldn't. Like, we don't only read it as literature, but we can also read it and pick up on things that recur over and over. So you guys, as some of my girls who've been in my life groups know, I say this all the time, if the Bible says it over and over, it's important, right? 
if it's like repeating the same thought over and over, that's important. And if a certain book of the Bible says the same thing over and over, we can assume that this is an important part of this book of the Bible, and we're supposed to hold on to it. As I read through the Psalms, there were two words, or one word really, but I'll explain that in a second, that just kept jumping out to me over and over. So much so that in one of my Bibles, I started circling it every time I saw it. Every time I came across these two words, I'd circle them, right? Every, every psalm. So I have a really funky-looking book of psalms in one of my Bibles, but that's okay. It was the word steadfast love. As I read, and y'all, I didn't put this through a search engine, so there might be more, right? But as I read, I found the word steadfast love 84 times. In 150 psalms, over half of them mention this. Some of them mention it more than once. Here are just a few of the verses that mention this. In Psalm 13:5, it says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. In Psalm 25, 6-7, it says, Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Psalms 25.10 says, All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenants and his testimonies. Psalm 36.5-7 says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 59, 16, and 17 says, But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. And one of my very favorites, Psalm 145, 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And that's just a few. Just a few. Most of the time when we see these words appear in the Psalms, they're in a reference to God. So every once in a while we get the phrase steadfast love in the Bible, and it's in reference to like Jonathan and David's friendship, right? But most of the time, these are in reference to God in particular. There are so many of the Psalms where the turning point from the petition or the pouring out of the need or feeling to trust hinges on acknowledging this, God's steadfast love. So many of them, when we see the turn from like they're crying out in their distress and turning to trust, it's, it's mentioned like, God, your steadfast love. And then when they remember that, they're able to turn to trust. And so we're going to take a few minutes to zero in on that, what that means, right? Now, to be truthful, when we think of love on Valentine's Day, a lot of times we think of the stuff that was in the game, like flowers and candy, right? And, and dates. But that's not at all, at all what we mean by steadfast love. When we talk about God's steadfast love, we're talking about something that's super different. The closest human example we might have from a romantic standpoint is like an old married couple who've remained faithful to each other for years and years of all life's ups and downs. And even that kind of pales in comparison 
to what the Bible means with these words. So we're going to look at it so we can understand it more fully. And it, then it like changes everything, right? When we say like, God loves you or Jesus loves you. When we have an understanding of what we mean by that love, it's not like God wants to buy you flowers. Like maybe, but it's so much deeper than that, right? So much deeper than that. So in Hebrew, the word steadfast love is actually hesed. So like I said, it's one word, but it gets translated to English into two. And here's how we define hesed. I'm going to borrow the definition from gotquestions.org. Gotquestions.org. Words are hard. Because they explain it really well. Okay. They said, many biblical words, such as mercy, mercy, compassion, love, grace, and faithfulness, relate to the Hebrew word Hesed, but none of these completely summarize the concept. Hesed is not merely an emotion or feeling, but involves action on behalf of someone who is in need. Hesed describes a sense of love, loyalty, love and loyalty that inspires merciful and compassionate behavior towards another person. Hesed is found some 250 times in the Old Testament and expresses an essential part of God's character. When God appears to Moses to give the law the second time, he describes himself as abounding in or filled with hesed, which is translated to love and faithfulness, unfailing love, faithful love, steadfast love, and loyal love, depending on the Bible version you look at. The core idea of this term communicates loyalty and faithfulness within a relationship. So it's related, as we read this in the Old Testament, to God's covenant with his people that he says he's not ever going to break. Hesed in the Bible often describes the mercy and compassion of God. When Moses interceded for the people, he appealed to God's steadfast love. He said, the Lord is slow to anger, filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion in keeping with your magnificent, unfailing love. So please pardon the sins of this people, just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. And that's in Numbers 14. But he appeals to this when he asks for their forgiveness. He appeals to this love. The message of the gospel, God's act of forgiveness and salvation in Jesus, is rooted in Hesed. It describes the disposition of God's heart, not only towards his people, but towards all humanity. The love of God extends far beyond duty or expectation. His forgiveness of sins fulfills a need that is basic to all other needs in the relationship between human beings and God, the restoration and continuation of fellowship with God in Jesus Christ. So like when we talk about Christ's love, it's the same understanding of steadfast love, or hesed. So if we want to break it down super simple, right? Then we say steadfast love, we're talking about God's covenant, unfailing, unstoppable, faithful love. And that's way bigger than what we often think of when we think of the word love, yeah. right? And if, if you sit there and you're like, as I'm starting to think about this, my mind is a little bit blown. You're starting to understand what we mean by God's love. Because, like, it's one of those things that, like, the more you think about it, the more you realize there's, it's even bigger than your understanding. So can we just let that sink in for a moment? God loves his people with steadfast love. God loves you with steadfast love. 
God loves me with steadfast love. You guys, that's, that's wow. Like, that's just wow. No wonder the psalmist could turn from need to trust. They understood this foundational aspect of who God is. And after understanding this, it gave them a firm foundation to place their trust so that they could keep trusting him through whatever they were facing. Let's look at Psalm 86, 1 through 5. It says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Right, you guys, if you take nothing else away from this tonight, God loves you. He loves you with a love bigger than anything you could imagine or comprehend. If you think you understand it, like if you're like, oh, I know God loves me, you don't get it. You don't get it. There's more. There's more. It's, it's so much deeper and wider and bigger than we could ever comprehend. But I think the Lord wants to take us to a place of starting to comprehend and starting to realize like, man, God, when you say you love me, like you really love me and it's bigger than I think it is, right? So as we wrap up tonight, I, I invite you to respond in a few ways. And Matt's got some paper and some pens he's going to hand out. So we're going to do something a little bit different for our response time. So you can listen, right, as he passes out paper, and then we can do, and we'll all do together. As we wrap up tonight, I invite you to respond in these ways. Maybe you don't yet have a personal relationship with the Lord. You haven't experienced his steadfast love and salvation. If that's you, I encourage you to take some time as we pray and invite him in tonight. Ask him to be your savior and to help you to begin to experience that love. Because that's one of those things we can come to God and say, God, I don't know you, but I want to and I want to understand this love. Would you help me? And we're inviting him in, right? Just like we talked about. Maybe you're here tonight and you know that God loves you, but you're beginning to see that he loves you in greater ways than you previously understood. I encourage you to take some time and ask God to reveal his love to you and help you begin to experience it in a fresh way. Right? Because we can do that. We say, man, Lord, I know you love me, but I don't think I've, I've really got it. Would you help me to understand it more, right? And third, maybe you're struggling to connect with God because you haven't felt the freedom to be real and honest with him. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe you're struggling with sin, right? Whatever it is, we can bring that to God. Some of the most powerful psalms, like we mentioned all the different categories, are, are psalms of repentance, right? Where it's like, man, God, I'm a mess, but please don't, don't turn away from me because of your steadfast love, right? So whatever it is that you're going through, take some time to talk to him about that and ask him to help you to be real and vulnerable in your prayer times and to help you to turn from your situation to trust and hope because of who he is. So this is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do in Chi Alpha. But I think it'll be good for us to practice what we learned tonight. Okay, we're going to take about five minutes. And you've got your paper. And hopefully you have a writing thing. Anybody need a writing thing? 
right? I mean, it's, I'm gonna ask. So you've got your pen or pencil and paper. We're gonna take about five minutes to journal our prayers, to take some time, just you and Jesus, to connect. Because sometimes we get so caught up in doing things together that we don't like take time to like just talk to him. And I'm gonna have you write it down so you can take it with you, right? And you can remember it later. Because a lot of times, if we do it, we remember it a whole lot better than just thinking about it. So first, we're going to pray about where you are right now. Whatever that is, where you are right now. Might be how you're feeling or sharing a particular struggle or situation. Might be as simple as saying, Lord, I don't know you, but I want to. Second, we're going to pray about who God is. You might want to remember his faithfulness or the strong or trustworthy of course we can mention his steadfast love right and last we're gonna pray from a place of trust about that same situation and we're gonna take some moments to notice how our prayer shifts as we pray about the same feeling or struggle or situation after acknowledging who God is so we're just gonna take some time to pray and then Matt's gonna come up up and we're going to spend some time praying for the Unreached People group of the week together. But we're just going to put on some music and give you guys a few moments, right, to take some time and connect with the Lord.